Today's TribCast is presented by St. Mary's University, legal education for a career edge at the Law School of San Antonio. Find out more at law.stmarytx.edu. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys I'm Rick Hassan of UC Irvine and the Election Law Blog. I'm looking forward to being in Austin this September to speak at the Texas Tribune Festival. Hope to see you there. In the meantime, enjoy this week's TribCast. Here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the 24th of August. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm I, I can't even imagine where this conversation is going to go today. <laughs> he's, he's struggling through his tennis I'm elbow. I'm struggling. <laughs> uh, executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And political reporter Patrick Svitek. This is our uh, back-to-school edition of the, tra- <laughs> <laughs> of the Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a couple of key back-to-school issues to talk about. But first, we are going to start with Donald Trump and his visit to Texas. We're not going to talk about dildos just, first? Just hang Put tight. Put your backpack. Are you just happy <laughs> you know, to see me? Come on. None of our best jokes. I'm in the dildo on deck circle. I'm just, I'm not, you must talk about this now. We, we are going to, but we'd like to make it, you know, put it in the final third so that people stick around for the whole trip cast. <laughs> really? That's the big reveal? Yes, right. exactly. All right, but... We're going to start with the person who made the most news in Austin in the last 24 hours, and that was Donald Rob Trump. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. Rob Morrow was amazing. Uh, but, Patrick, um, walk us through. There, were actually, there are actually a couple of um, pieces of breaking news out of his visit here. What are those things? Sure. So he had four events yesterday in Texas, a fundraiser in Fort Worth. Uh, in a state, it should be said that he's going to win by 20 <laughs> points, probably, right? At least he or hopes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had a Sean Hannity, at least uh, six. Sean yeah. Hannity town, town Hall taping in Austin, fundraiser in Austin, and a rally in Austin. Um, and uh, this morning we learned, uh, according to a, a Democratic group here in Texas, the Lone Star Project, uh, that at least within the context of a remark made by an attendee at the Austin fundraiser, um, Trump praised former Governor Rick Perry, um, you know, again, in the context of a potential challenge to Ted Cruz in 2018. Um, you know, we're told that he wasn't uh, he didn't specifically, in, you know, like endorse Perry for Senate in 2018, uh, but definitely more in like response. he'd do a great job. <laughs> he, yeah. he acknowledged he's been hearing a lot about that in, in very a lot about it. Many, many people are saying, <laughs> right, i.e. one poll that said shows I heard on the shows. Right. And so, you know, but regardless of the context, um, you know, I think it's certainly going to continue to stoke this kind of uh, speculation. And I think it's going to put pressure on Perry to uh, make a statement All on this. Uh, Perry is kind descend of, from the yeah. from the round top mountain, right? Yeah, come out of his yeah. rocking chair and yeah, I mean, take off his retired man's shawl. And... So Rick Perry was actually in the room, right, when this uh, yes, Trump he was. Yeah, was yeah, made. Rick Perry was a part of this fundraiser, um, and I believe at, at one point he was standing beside Pear, uh, Trump and other Republicans uh, at the podium or on the stage in this this ballroom or whatever. And so he had a prominent presence at the fundraiser. And you got to imagine that Perry loved this moment. Also, I saw Perry posing at the Hannity taping with Art Acevedo, the Austin police <laughs> right, chief. Right. It was like it was a really a great gathering. <laughs> look, look. look. Yeah. We in the journalism world would like nothing. I mean, I say, say I've said before, the God I worship does not love me enough to give me Rick Perry versus Ted Cruz. Mine does. Senate. I think we got this. We're no, I, you know, um, uh, I, I think every one of my organs would spontaneously explode. 
uh, if this happened. He's Over, just overdose stay with the of joy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, look, look. Let that um, one go. Uh, I, I suspect that the cruise people are super pissed off about this and also not worried because I'm here to tell you right now, Rick Perry is not running for the Senate. I, I, he may not descend from a round top. Uh, to say that, but what I'm telling you, he's not sport. He is not running. I don't know, Ross. Do you totally agree with Evan? I don't. Uh, you know, I think Rick Perry <laughs> what a is. Surprise. Yeah. I, he, <laughs> well, he wrote a column uh, this week that gave you your answer. Uh, you know, I, Perry clearly is not finished. He wants to. You know, he, he's out of the governor's office, and instead of retiring and wrapping a blanket around his legs and going and sitting in a rocking chair and round top, he's wants to be president. And if you can't be president, well, you know, I, I would consider being vice president. I'd love to be part of an administration. I, the guy clearly wants to serve, and if those things are foreclosed in November, I think he's going to be looking around for something play, to do. Play this out. Trump wins or Trump loses. If Trump wins, administration. Perry is much more likely to go right. into administration right. than he is to go to the Senate. If Trump loses, who gives a crap what Trump thinks? It doesn't matter what Trump thinks. It means that Perry doesn't have a job and is still looking around. Yeah, but Trump's support of and Perry would, would in that context, if Trump gets th- Perry could do that without – I don't think the Senate thing depends on Trump. Has I, there been any, any you know, rough edges between the relationship, the relationship between Perry and Cruz traditionally? Ask the Cruz whisperer here. What do you think? Before the just this entire Trump tornado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we know. <laughs> oh, my God, that TV um, movie. <laughs> that sounds great. Evan just gave you that one for free. Trump's <laughs> and the hurricane. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, they had never been particularly close before the presidential race. Um, you know, even when when Perry endorsed right. Cruz, he came out and said, you know, like <laughs> this is the first time we, you know, I, I, he, we really met for an extended period of time when he came to seek my endorsement when we talked about an endorsement. And obviously, when they were both presidential candidates for that very <laughs> brief period uh, last summer, right. um, Perry kind of, you know, threw some elbows at, at Cruz as being the young and experienced. That was back when Perry thought Trump was a cancer on yeah, conservatives. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cruz was endorsing <laughs> I Trump. I seem yeah. to remember it's Perry flipping. Back in the day, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I don't think there's any real love lost there. It wasn't like there was some, you know, you know, great bromance before this. Uh, Good use before of this presidential it's, it's, it's race. It's not like Perry and Sharp. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were friends yeah. until they weren't, and now they're friends. Well, again. What is it? Bush doesn't like Perry. Perry doesn't like Bush. Bush doesn't like Cruz. Cruz doesn't like Bush. Perry doesn't like. Cruz. It's high school with money. Can you yeah. guys just <laughs> you know? get along? No, of course not. No. It's politics. They're competitive. Just, they all want the same job. You know who manages to stay out of all this? Them are going to want to be senator. Cornyn just is somehow Cornyn and skates. He escapes without yeah. having to get anything, yeah. any mud on his bespoke well, suit. I mean, maybe not mud, but it's not like he and Cruz have a great. He's not part of any bromances. Right, right, but he also has not not he hasn't compared anybody to cancer, as far as I know. No, not publicly. No. Uh, just a reminder: if you're tuning in via Facebook, that you can ask We're questions. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> apologies, and please ask questions so we don't have to talk to each other. Um, walk us through Trump's um, remarks on immigration, or particularly sure. his remarks around yeah. quote softening his stance on yeah, immigration. Yeah, the, the news of the day on immigration was at this Hannity taping. Um, Trump seemed to pivot away from some of his hardline immigration views that obviously got him through the Republican primary as one of the central issues of at least his kind of uh, primary era pitch to, to voters. And so what, what Trump said was that there can certainly be a softening in you know immigration laws dealing with people who have uh, who may be in this country illegally um, but are looking to get in through legal means and have been you know productive members of society have contributed to society. Um, and that's obviously confirms what a lot of people have been buzzing about in, in recent days, which is that Trump has been readying or preparing this kind of pivot um, you know in, in what appears to be an attempt to have more of a, a broader appeal 
uh, in, a, in a general election. And so that was at the Hannity taping out the rally in Austin. Uh, border security was certainly a theme and immigration was a theme, but he didn't say anything new. He didn't say anything, anything close to what was at the Hannity taping. Um, to be fair, that taping was you know, scheduled to air over two parts um, last night and uh, tonight. And so maybe he didn't want to step on that message because it was going out on Fox News first. Um, but it was interesting, you know, border security talked about the rally, but nothing close to the language that we heard in the Hannity. And the previous line was that he was going to deport everybody and some would be able to come back, maybe. Right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. But, but basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're in the country illegally, the, that you're, the idea you're that somehow if, in fact, what he is now saying ends up being his immigration policy, the idea that this is not a pivot is preposterous. Of course, it's a pivot. Oh, it's a total pivot. It's a massive pivot. And honestly, it undermines the case that he's made the central case in his campaign Absolutely. Right. to the people who have been so, mo- so, so rabid in, in supporting him. And it, I think, gives comfort to the people who say you can't trust this guy to have the same position for five minutes. You're, well, yeah. you're reading the mind of our questioner, Stan, who asks, how does this damage the deport wing of the Republican Party when the strongest guy on the debate stage is backing off of his promise? Well, and how many of the Trump supporters who've been there sort of like hardcore, uh, this guy will say what needs to be said no matter what or going oh they're turning him into a politician he got this new staff he got you know these mm-hmm. two not two top advisors he's reading off of teleprompters now the speech mm-hmm. he gave last night was like a mild version of a Trump yeah. rally. True, sure. but those yeah. people, even if they get irked by it, are not right. going to suddenly support Hillary Clinton. Well I know yeah. but they've got to be I, yeah. uncomfortable. Right, but if the theory here, and I want to underscore that it's a theory because we don't really know, is that he's attempting to appeal to Hispanics, just in the same way that his yeah. rhetoric on African Americans this well, last week has yeah. been. I'll only deport some of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that actually, that's an stay. interesting point, because I think this is part of this this new effort by him that's been reporting to, to confirm this, that he's not necessarily trying to uh, reach out to Hispanics and, and African Americans primarily, but he's trying to make himself more acceptable to white people less than hate, less hateable to suburban he's trying, women he's trying to make white people right? feel less guilty for voting for him right and he's that's why he's talking a lot about this outreach to minority groups and whatnot i mean of course it'd be great if he can pick up some you know minority voters in the process but i think that this messaging uh, uh, the that, that ship has sailed and the black the uh, african-american outreach is more geared toward making white people feel good about voting for him i mean right. and again go back to the polls that came out last week in texas the ppp poll which showed that he was running 17 points behind Greg Abbott's vote total in 2014 in the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. He has a ton of work to do. You know, you can choose to view that as an opportunity for him, no place to go but up, or you can say <laughs> there's 76 days until the campaign. Right. How many more flubs can he make between uh, now and yeah. then? Right? I don't know. I think a lot of those bridges are burned. I, oh, think, a lot, totally I think a lot burned. of that works over. Yep. Um, all right. Well, Evan, it's time. Oh, great. We're talking about Robert Morrow or Dildo? <laughs> Which one? You can talk about whichever you want. Well, you know, apparently there were some 4,000 dildos running around the University of Texas campus. Uh, <laughs> those are just the ones we know exactly. of. Yeah. They've got exactly. legs. <laughs> you know, but let's not talk about the faculty. Let's talk about sex toys. No. <laughs> right. um, no, there's apparently, there's apparently this massive protest. It's said to be potentially the largest anti-gun protest in the history of the state of Texas. The largest gathering of dildos in the state of Texas. Um, right. Uh, you know, that's ordinarily 140 days every two years, right? Um, right. <laughs> uh, uh, to protest the implementation of campus carry, the law took effect on August 1st. School came into effect uh, today. The first day of classes at University of Texas at Austin is today, and this group, Cox Not Glocks, the principal uh, group opposing campus carry uh, on the UT campus, uh, insurgent in every conceivable way, has uh, promised and delivered on a completely newsworthy protest uh, that will likely amount to nothing other than news headlines and and, uh, 
impolite chatter on podcasts. Because at the end of right. the day, they have no more power than the three professors did who sought an injunction against this law. And got knocked down. And got knocked right. down. And right. um, this will make news. Better, a better PR campaign probably than the professors. So I have to know, who has donated these 4,500 Ma- dildos? Many, many people, including apparently I mean, a like number of sex used? toy stores. Are they used? <laughs> it's a little early to be grossed out, please. Stop. I mean, are these I'm like... sure they were washed. I mean, like, you know, what <laughs> are unwashed. <laughs> um, no, and it, I, I actually believe I read, although I may have hallucinated this, although that would say something about my hallucinations, that a, um, a, a an adult <laughs> film business in California right. may have yeah, sent right. oh. may have sent dildos to Austin as part of oh, solidarity. Right. Boxes upon but boxes. But this is a dildo classic dildo brothers and this sisters. Is, this right. is like right. a classic, you know, brothers in arms. Forgive me, weaponized kind of campus protest. They're making fun of something they can't change, and. You know, the people who would be ordinarily trumpeting the success of their campaign for concealed carry on campus are instead um, answering and being made fun of. You have to admire. It's fun. You have to admire the, the, I mean, in some ways, the Robert Morrow dildo conversation is a short walk because you have to admire the uh, a willingness right. by people to use the absurd Political as a way theater, to get yeah. attention mm-hmm. you know robert morrow not in a jester hat yesterday without a sign that says trump is a child rapist gets exactly zero attention right another white guy with tube socks you know right. if, if if these students and these professors had made a kind of more um uh, kind of garden variety attempt to protest campus care. Right, had a speech on the south steps of the Capitol. No, nobody cares. Right. Right, Bobby Blanchard, our social media manager, has helped to answer my question, which is that Austin stores and companies like Hustler Hollywood and Hum Vibrators donated the sex toys after hearing about the protest. The full supply when they rolled them out yesterday was gone in about 23 minutes, a distribution rate of almost 200 per minute. So, I mean, now this is the less funny part. This does tell you that <laughs> students are are super super worked up about this, and so or again, they just want really free dildos. <laughs> they're wearing them on exactly. their backpacks. They're you know I mean I, don't, I mean you know you offer you offer well, no, free I, dildos I to college students. Actually, I think she's right. I mean, I think the you know the the popular version of this is you know you've got X number of students saying you know we're for guns and a much greater number of students say, we're not. Um, well, you know, I think it's a pretty effective process. This is UT Austin, not Texas Tech. Well, I that's right. That UT not Austin Texas should, A&M, should, not right. It should right. not be taken necessarily <clears throat> as an indication of how it would be uh, elsewhere. I think the faculty protest is in some ways a more interesting thing to me than the student protest because the faculty members, mm-hmm. many of them who signed petitions and joined in with um, the in solidarity with the people who ultimately uh, were unsuccessful in Right. Asking their case legally, uh, th- this is going to come to a head someplace. It well, absolutely is. There's also the thing of you know not every college campus has the same culture, and yeah. you know, but they've been imposed. The same culture has been imposed on them. You know, this one's this one's reacting pretty strongly. Well, and if you want to talk about the you know sort of disparities between campuses here, I mean, the fact that none of that the private universities this was an option, and only one private university in right, Texas, right. you know, I mean, and it was State Representative Donna Howard who this week on Twitter made the point that campus carry is a regress of law, that only the kids who can afford, whose families can afford to send them to more expensive schools are in the position to opt out of a situation in which they may find I thought this was going to be only the kids danger. who can afford a gun. So, yeah. she, so, she's, <laughs> so she's making the argument, you know, not it's, you know, legitimately cast, mm-hmm. that there's a kind of cost to being unable to afford private education. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's talk quickly about the the professors. Um, I just want to keep talking about dildos. You know, yes, Sp- Speed Dick is from Indiana. He embarrasses easily. I was going to say, so don't, I'm a little don't concerned that Patrick. maybe if we keep this <laughs> up, he may, he may sprint out of the room. Uh, and to our Facebook Live audience, if you too have questions about dildos, you can feel free. And if you're to from s- Indiana and you'd like to have a conversation with Speed Dick, <laughs> asking yeah. for a friend, right? Yes. Um, so there were there are three professors who filed suit uh, over campus carry. Evan, walk us through what the status is with that. The status is they were denied. Well. Now, they were in, initially no, well, right. It's still it's still alive. It's still, it's still alive. alive yeah. legal this was their topic, their. Right. They, they had, sought an injunction. Right. They sought an injunction because they were concerned that there were sort of First Amendment issues that right. you know students wouldn't feel comfortable speaking freely right. in class if they knew that their colleagues their classmates right. might have guns. Um, what I think is interesting about this is that it's not just the, the state that is was opposing these professors, but the it actually was. the university was. Well, the university is the state in this case. Right. Well, right. Not? And so I guess the university sort of had to, even though the administrators at UT clearly have been really dragging their feet you know, as the, far the, as... The, the yeah. faculty who oppose this law have a number of arguments that they can make. And there are interesting nuances, I think, mm-hmm. here. There is the argument that somehow in an academic environment, free speech, which is the gasoline in the engine of a university um, is somehow impeded by the thought that if you make a statement that is viewed as offensive or unpopular in the context of a room in which this is the theory, somebody's carrying a gun, that somehow there's danger at it. Um, You know, that's the unselfish, high-minded argument. There's also the I'm scared shitless to be in front of a classroom argument, which is right. a more selfish, right. l- you know, less high-minded argument. But also if understandable, If I give, a, if I guess, I give you know? a C to Timmy and Timmy is packing, I'm concerned that maybe I'm putting myself at risk and maybe it causes me to think differently about the way that I lead that class or grade that work. You can argue with those things. Right. People have argued with those things, elected officials and Well, not. they made those arguments in the legislature, the argument, right? And that, that line of reasoning has to the for the moment prevailed that that is a, an illegitimate uh, uh, construct but you understand that this is a very it's a multifaceted multi-layered right. argument but in, and in this case you know at least at UT the professors are allowed to prohibit guns in their personal offices but right. not in their classrooms right and that's right. itself controversial so how is that fair there's i mean been pu- the students been aren't pushed, protected from it but the there's been pushed back against yeah. the question of whether guns can be permitted in offices there's pushed back against whether guns can be permitted in well, dorms well the legislature wrote right. the law so they said you know look we're going to they initially said we're going to require universities to allow guns everywhere on campus. And then they um, came in with the argument, well, there are some places on campus where you shouldn't be carrying a gun. You know, football games, the medical lab at UT, medical branch in Galveston, places like that. And so the- Where we house the Ebola. So they told the universities, you can make exceptions for certain areas so long as your exceptions do not amount to a campus-wide ban. And and they decided, UT decided, Professors' offices. But interestingly, one of those areas. sort of per the abortion debate in Texas at the moment, you can't take license to restrict the applicability of the law to the point that the fact that something is legal is irrelevant. Right. In other words, from a campus carry standpoint, you could not do the equivalent of raise the the standards to those of surgical centers. Right. right. I mean, what, right. Right. You had right. to actually allow the law to be the law. Right. And so, from the university's perspective, they're sort of put in a position where they've got to set these parameters and and, and these policies. And then, you know, look, um, it's concealed carry. It's not open carry on these campuses. Right. Mm-hmm. So you may very well not see people with guns. It may just be like concealed carry Well, you're carry not has supposed been, to. And well, a lot of the, the campuses is, say, if we see the gun, it's, you know. It may very well be like concealed carry has been in the state of Texas for many years, effectively a non-issue in the sense mm-hmm. that people may have been carrying and we right. simply didn't know it. There will be an incident on one of these public university campuses, mark our words, 
at some point, and at that point, the conversation about this but, will be But there are incidents joined. on these campuses right. occasionally the question, already. The question is, people, will yeah. there be an incident that's attributable to this change in policy? And, you know, I think that's... It's questionable if, if, at best. if for only the reason that the concealed carry law applies to only 21 and up. Right. And the percentage of students on these campuses who are 21 and up, if you model this out, it's like very small right. percentages tiny, of teeny, people tiny. are going to even be right. impacted by this. I mean, to be honest, right. at the end of the day, this is going to be a large political flap where there is very little that, you know, is actually recognizable. Just like concealed carry the first time. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, back to dildos, because we all know that's the most important part of this. Uh, how much uh, politically, how much is this irking the people who passed this law? I, you know, the worst thing you can do to somebody in politics is make fun of them. I mean, people really, really hate that, and it's an effective kind of protest. You know, does it have any legs? I don't, I don't really know. I, you know, it's clearly getting the headlines now that would otherwise be going to the concealed carry folks. So it's kind of stealing their day. You know, it's like somebody, somebody blew yeah. out your birthday candles. But I don't, I don't know. You know, rolling forward, how it goes. You know, maybe has, they've got another protest in mind. Has any any statewide official been asked about this or? I mean, I can't remember since last, you know, since the live Tribcast at last year's festival. <laughs> yeah. We started right, been... when Connie Burton looked like she'd eaten a bad piece of fish when we <laughs> asked her about it. Yes, I think it was Ross who couldn't wait to talk about yeah, it. Was, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, transition to the back to school issue facing elementary schools in Texas. Uh, transgender bathroom issues. Boy, we really have a good lineup for today's Tribcast. Yeah. It's, right. So uh, so a court has actually ruled in a way that uh, the state's attorney general loves. Ross, can you fill us in on what this Yeah, they says? did a little bit of forum shopping here. The attorney general went around Texas as we reported earlier uh, this summer, I guess, uh, looking for a school district uh, in a particular part of the state, and they found one. And then, of course, I can't remember the name of the school district now. They went to Wichita Falls Wichita and Falls. asked them. Wichita Falls turned them down. But another one up in, um, you know, the big country uh, did protest this. Um, it went to a federal judge named Reed O'Connor, who said... In Fort Worth? In or, Fort Worth, yeah. yeah, who's got that area of right. the state. And who said that the Obama administration's um, rules on this were not properly generated and applied. And so for the moment, the administration's um, diktat that school districts would have some kind of transgender bathrooms arranged for students um, is not the law. Mm -hmm. Now, this continues forward. We're still going to have, you know, we're still doing this fight. You know, the attorney general um, is doing the bathrooms for boys, bathrooms for girls, no other bathrooms argument. Um, and um, I guess this rolls into the legislative session now. Uh, well, it was already going to be a big part right. of the legislative session. And so then on the heels of this transgender bathroom ruling, which obviously the Obama administration is going to continue to fight, Alexa Ura on our staff wrote a, a sort of uh, the latest missive is that Texas is, is one of several states filing suit over, you know, transgender issues in health care. I mean, you know, basically right. protecting hospitals. I think the, the, the there are some hospitals that are religiously affiliated that have raised a flag that they're concerned they may have to be, you know, they'll be forced to perform, you know, sex reassignment procedures for right. children, I think, was in the press release I saw. I mean, what is going on here? Is that, This is just, this is going to be the frontier for this legislative well, session. I, yeah. I would speak about the, the legislative mm -hmm. session. I legitimately wonder how much political will there is left uh, on this issue. Obviously, Ken right. Paxton, this is one of his big issues. Is this just a giant distraction? Dan Patrick, technique? it's a big yeah. issue. But uh, Greg, the governor, Greg Abbott, uh, did not volunteer any kind of reaction to the ruling this week, um, which he has done to, in previous Supreme or not Supreme, you know, major mm -hmm. court rulings in favor of Texas's position. Right. Uh, even Ted Cruz, who talked about this 
in the kind of final waning days of his presidential campaign was vocal about it. Um, I think there may have been just a tweet or two from his official account. There wasn't a, he didn't volunteer a big statement. Um, so I think it's, you know, not that Ted Cruz is necessarily, you know, the influence on our legislative session, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the political will is like once we get around to January. But don't you think this is classic Abbott? In terms of just not saying anything about it? I think, I think that Greg Abbott is living up to his reputation as an exceedingly cautious uh, a politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he does not step out and get himself... Uh, in the middle of a lot of these big conflagrations. He does on a lot of them. I mean, you know, he was, you know, the Ten Commandments, I was there. And, you know, I mean, it depends on what they're fighting about. And he, hadn't, he hadn't picked up this fight. Yeah. But, you know, as Patrick said, you know, this, this thing kind of started with Dan Patrick around the time of the Fort Worth thing in the Republican state convention. Um, Paxton picked it up. Um, I, 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 I guess I, I, I don't, like, aggressively disagree, but I sort of disagree <laughs> That with with the proposition that somehow Abbott has been willing to lead from the front right. on this stuff, I kind of think that Abbott's notable absence. I mean, he may well have been receiving, as they said, he was receiving additional uh, treatment for his recent um, maladies mm-hmm. at uh, uh, in San Antonio, right, uh, at Brook Army Medical Center, and that was why he was not associated in any way with the Trump events of yesterday. But it was hard not to imagine a scenario where the response from Team Abbott would have been, sorry, he won't be at the Trump event, he has to wash his hair, or as we joked, he has to listen to the Frank Ocean record or whatever <laughs> else, you know, that, that that somehow Abbott was going to make an excuse for not being there. Because from a political standpoint, you know, Abbott has been, his, has been successful in leveraging the argument that Trump to this point has not been successful in leveraging, which is that the Hispanic community and traditionally non-Republican constituencies should give him an opportunity to be heard. His whole campaign in 2014 was to do many of the kinds of things that Donald Trump, at least at this point, has not done. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost off-brand for Abbott to too closely embrace Trump. And so Abbott's absence at the Trump events Mm -hmm. is consistent with what I think has been a a, a, a tendency to be cautious. Mm -hmm. And I think that the non-response on transgender stuff, as the non-response from Abbott has been on a number of other issues. Abbott has not been specifically forthcoming in in, in supporting Ken Paxton. He's not been as aggressive in supporting Ken Paxton. I think it's because... because, On legal issues or on the... On legal issues. Certain... It depends on the issue. Personal legal issues? I I think Abbott has tended to avoid... (laughs) I think Abbott has tended to avoid stepping out too far on a lot of stuff that has potential uh, uh, danger points. I think that's because Abbott knows the way that, say, Strauss knows that this kind of behavior is exceedingly dangerous for the party, right. for the future of the party. I mean, you know, I they keep... I think we're saying a version of yeah, I mean, they keep losing these battles. They right. lost the gay marriage battle. They lost the abortion battle. You know, this transgender stuff will end up before the Supreme Court at some point, and they're going to lose there, too. I mean, honestly, you know, my feeling on all of this is that the people who are looking at the future of the Republican Party are thinking... You know, could we be focusing on something right. else? Um, because that's where this is all going to end well, up. Well, I think the you know the transgender thing. One sign that it's not a big mover of Republican votes is that Abbott's not doing this. It's a it's rare that Abbott would not be mm-hmm. involved in a fight where the state is battling the Obama administration. This straight up, it's like right. they passed a rule. Right. It wasn't Congress. Mm-hmm. The administration hands down a rule. Texas bucks up against it. That's ordinarily Abbott's kind of a fight. And this is, of course, Dan Patrick's signature issue of the moment, right? right. Patrick was the one who was loudest and first and, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and all that. And I think this a, a sort of side narrative in this whole thing is if in the absence of Abbott playing a role, Dan Patrick is the public face of this. And we've already been talking in previous podcasts forever 
about the you know implicit Abbott versus Patrick tension. Who's really the governor of Texas? Who's really the person taking the lead on this? I just think that's another interesting aspect of this. Well, I think the right. other weird thing here that's kind of interesting is the guy stealing this issue is not Patrick. It's Paxton. Paxton is in front of this legally. He's going to have dinner with this um, transgender kid in Denton. Um, whose family said, you know, we'd really like to sit down and talk to you about this. He said, I'd love to do that. I think, you know, he's he's kind of the face of this at the moment. What kind of position? I I would love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Really, I'd like to be a fly <laughs> in the soup at that dinner, right? Yes, <laughs> seriously. Uh, all right, well, our last back-to-school issue, um, students returning to Baylor University will no longer have Ken Starr um, there in any capacity, right, Evan? What's the latest with him? The, Uncle Ken. The, <laughs> apropos of seemingly everything and nothing all at once, uh, it was announced at the beginning of the school year that Ken Starr was no longer a member of the law school faculty, which was where he had parked himself or where he was parked after his departure first as president and then as chancellor of Baylor. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether this was planned all along uh, as opposed to simply ripping off the band-aid at the time and, you know, following the sexual assault scandal, showing showing a president and chancellor star to the state lines or to at least the Waco city lines or the Baylor campus lines. um, We don't know if this was imagined all along, but Judge Starr is is gone. Now, I happened to talk to him the other day uh, after his departure. And my sense is that he's not hightailing it for the West Coast or for Washington, that he's remaining in Central Texas and remaining in Waco, is my understanding, or at least was my sense from the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's gone. And I think, you know, Baylor's got a problem in that the fallout from this is not about Star. This is not a case, I think, where um, the people who are very critical of Baylor and Baylor's administration of this problem and this issue and the football program and sexual assault matters and everything else, the departure of, of Bryles and the departure of Starr does not make the problem go away from Baylor's Well, the problem is bigger now because these right. you know young women are coming forward and saying, you know, I was punished for reporting a sexual assault. I was punished for, you know, drinking, violating right. the rules when I was trying to, you know, report a sexual assault. I mean, that is a huge, huge issue for Baylor if that's the case. It's, it's an institutional problem and not one that you can hang on a particular individual or two. And, you know, um, the, the way the school has handled this problem and the way that they've handled all of these things from the moment when they didn't take care of the women in these situations to handling the fallout as this has gone on it just you know they've contributed to the destruction of this institution um it, it's a really big big mess and you it's know, going to take them years to get out of here uh, we don't know because at least right now the reporting has not suggested this in any way through the front door or the side door that ken Starr's departure from the law school faculty is itself an extension of you know his perceived culpability and all this stuff. I, you know, it, well, if it was if it was proper for him to depart the administrative role right. and remain on the law school faculty, what changed between that decision and the decision for him to leave? Was he pushed or did he jump? Um, it was going to be awkward for him. I have to believe. To I suspect there was it. a big Don't negotiation that took about a month. You know, yeah, it, it was going like. to be awkward for him yeah. to remain yeah. on the faculty. He was in an endowed chair at the law school professorship. He had been dean of the Pepperdine Law School before he came to Baylor to begin with. And, of course, he had a long career as a, a judge. He was na- known for his role as the special prosecutor in the uh, or independent counsel in the Whitewater. I mean, he, he 
but but for it's like you know other than the the net Mrs. Lincoln how was the play you know right. but for this scandal right Ken Starr's tenure at Baylor was seen to have been distinguished same, successful same, same thing with Bryles right yeah. yeah but I mean the reputation you know as as parents of daughters would you send no. your daughter to Baylor at this point. Um, no, everyone, everyone is leaning back. <laughs> I, I mean, it would be, I think, an enormous challenge. Yeah. you know, from a reputation standpoint, the, and let, let's yeah. say it this way: the Baylor brand has suffered. Right, there's not any question. The about Baylor that. brand has suffered, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's much stronger than that. I think they've, I think they've gonna have to rebuild an institution, mm-hmm. and oh, and yeah. I think that you know the whole thing that they were soaring on Baylor's reputation a year ago. Was fabulous, and they were they were banging. They were really going, and um, it's you know the house was full of termites. Yep. All right. Well, on that happy note, that's all the time we have. If you thank us, termites. (laughs) Yeah, you termites. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music, and on behalf of Evan, Patrick, Ross, and our producers Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Ask me about my dildo.